Hello and welcome back to Balance Me, a podcast committed to the exploration and discussion of Afro-Diasporic art, fashion, culture, and history. I'm your host, Tinashe, and I'm honored to share this soundscape with you today. Before we begin, I want to honor your presence in this virtual space and ask that you approach the episode to come with an open mind and heart. Today's guest is Moroccan writer and filmmaker Abdullah Tayyel, who in 2006 became the first openly gay Arab writer and the only gay Moroccan writer or filmmaker. He is the author of nine novels written in French and translated into many languages, including Salvation Army and Arab Melancholia, Infidels, La Vie Lente, and more. You can read about his incredible achievements in the description of this podcast. I just do want to say once again, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It is an honor to have you here. Um, and my first question for you is, is, what does it mean to you to be a writer? I never dreamed to be a writer. I, I grew up in a very, very poor family in Morocco, the city of Saleh. And this idea to be a writer was not an option for us or for anyone around us. It was something like for the rich Moroccan people, the bourgeois people, those who have the possibility to go to study in France, in Paris, and go back to Morocco and to show off with their knowledge, the French knowledge. We always had this this we didn't trust these people we always thought that they were speaking about us the moroccans our reality with words that are not ours the french words and even when they were speaking in arabic it was not the same arabic we were using it seems like they filled their words with another reality that was not ours so i never dreamed to be a writer and until now i am really surprised that i became a writer and plus in French, in a language that is certainly not mine, not ours, not the language of, of my, 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 my family, my motherhood, my parents, my father, my sisters. So yes, uh, <laughs> I write and I do books now, but deep down in my head, I am still just with, in conversations with my mother, the way she would invent strategies with words, mm -hmm. what words she would say to the people around us in the poor neighborhood we were living in in the 70s and the 80s, and especially to have food for us to put on the table because we were 11 persons in three rooms. The father was great, but she was not the, the, the hero of the family. The, the real hero, it was the mother. She was the real strategist. She was the tender one, the very hard one, the dictator, the sweet one. But mostly she was hard. At that time, I didn't understand why she was hard. But to the, today, I totally understand that she had no other option but to be hard on us and on society. And especially not to trust the words, the words we were using. She would not talking about sincerity or honesty or authenticity. These words for her meant nothing because the society would never accept these words. So I think I became a writer because my mother, she would tell us, this is how you deal with society. She didn't put in us some materialistic dreams or some colonial dreams about to go to Paris and to be free or to go to New York in order to be free yeah. or to leave Morocco in order to be free. She would never, she was always facing us with what is for her the yeah. truth i think i became a writer because this woman was enough brave to 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 tell me what is really life and reality <laughs>
the Umirat Kol Yahab, uh, an Arab melancholia, was uh, one of the best books that I have ever read to this day, and I loved it. But you've talked about the power of words a lot, but I want to talk to you about the power of questions. When the protagonist of Umirat Kol Yahab sees Javier for the first time, and um, there's 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 a ton of questions, and there's there's a lot of distance. It was um, striking to me to think, you know, is the distance the safety net? And the, are the questions like some kind of battering ram? Is it like um un bellier? Is it like, I'm wondering how this relates to, to the way that you have gone about thinking about questions, about distance and about answers in your own life? Well, basically the book, uh, uh, An Arab Melancholia, in Melancholia Arab, is about um, four uh, fragments, or four chapters, four yeah. moments in the life of this guy called Abdullah. Yeah. Who is this? Is a totally autobiographical, one hundred percent autobiographical book. And uh, the moment you are talking about is the second moment in the in, in the novel, in the book, uh, oh, the, the second, second chapter. Yeah. Yes. The first is about how Abdullah is dealing with the fact that the people around him are attracted to him as a feminine boy, and at the same time they are telling him, "You you don't exist in this society and the life as a gay person." and how he has no other choice that, but to navigate through all these confusions and to deal with it. And when he is about to be raped by three boys, yeah. he, even in that very violent moment, he had to find strategy to make this rape moment to be transformed into something else, a moment of love. Yeah. So the book is about how this first initial moment of rape and how to deal with that and how to deal with all this silence, but at the same time, all this love around him. Because he says that these boys, he knows them. Yeah. He, he knows them in the daily life. He knows that they, they are not that bad people. But because of all the sexual frustration and because of the political laws put mm -hmm. on all of us, they have no other choice but to rape each other in order to satisfy their sexual needs. Right. So here he finds him himself in, are surrounded by these boys and his strategy is how they are about to be criminals i am going to make to transform this moment of rape into a moment of love like this they are they are not going to be criminals i am allow i am going to sacrifice myself as a as a body as a human being in order not to be traumatized one day not to be to be destroyed by 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 this by, by this moment. So the rest of the book is the consequences mm -hmm. of this first moment on the life of someone who is Arab, Muslim, Moroccan. So uh, we see that in the second chapters that this idea of the the the, the, the when you face love, when you see love, uh, when the love, uh, the true love is in front of you. What what you do? What you do to to to, to make him closer to you. But yeah. the problem is the, is the same thing, whether you are living in Kinshasa or Nairobi or uh, New York or uh, Johannesburg, it's the same idea that the, the social distances are put inside of us. Yes. And, and we, it's extremely, uh, it takes a lot of courage, a lot of so much brave just to go and not, not to let all these barriers stop this true and hopeful feeling that is called called love. So yes, he is far away. He is so close, but at the same time, 
it is far away. When I think anyone uh, in love or dealing with a love situation uh, faces the, the situation, sometimes when you are even with someone you are in love with in the kitchen and <laughs> talking, I don't know, about making tea or, or making, I don't know, spaghetti or, and suddenly all this, what we are supposed to be and that we are not yeah. is there. And the distances, the distances, it is very weird, very uh, traumatizing that we are living in a world, especially today, that are, is asking from us to be free, to be emancipated. But at the same time, this world is putting between us so much, so much walls, 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 walls. So you live in the love moments that is a longing to be connected with the other in such in so much solitude so much solitude so the book is basically about the repetition of this moment of solitude for abdella even when what is going on is is true is true unfortunately unfortunately the truth doesn't save us all the time. And and the book, if I'm not mistaken, was originally written in French. Yes. Why why French? Well, this is the last, the story of my life. <laughs> why I chose French? Because I, earlier I told you that there was no way that someone like me would choose French to to to. Yeah to write or even to have a career in with. Uh, but what happens when I was a, a teenager, I really understood that in, in the social and political system of Morocco, the post-colonial, France, uh, the France, the country France, left Morocco, but didn't really leave Morocco. The, 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 the French language stayed and is until now as something that is powerful, chic, and if you don't master French language, you cannot have like a career in Morocco. You will not, you will only stay poor in your poverty, which is extremely damaging, extremely tragic for so many people, because most of the Moroccan people don't master French language until today. So it's just like another, uh, uh, another uh, difficulty you would have in your life. So when I was a teenager, I understood that I have no other choice. Although French is not for me, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to be just one of these bourgeois Moroccan people speaking in such fancy, hello, shallow way and yeah. pretentious way. But I had no other choice but to learn this language in order to get one day a job and um, I know, to, 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 to be elevated. So I understood totally that I am. I had to become a traitor. But I don't know. When you are poor, you need money. Everyone needs money, especially when you are poor. So you have to make a certain decisions. But I didn't choose French because I was in love with French, or I was in love with the the the, the, the French idea of being free or being emancipated. Those ideas meant nothing to me. Meant nothing to my family or to my sisters. The only thing that meant something to us was the Egyptian movies, the Egyptian female star, the, 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 the sorcery of my mother, 
the sorcery of my sisters, how they use the sorcery and how they manipulate all this world in order to create some tension, some drama, some melodrama, how we create certain elevation among all of us. And certainly we didn't need lessons from the French people or from New York people or from London people to teach us how to be free and how to live the moment between us. We didn't need that. We knew uh, just by being poor and being facing the society how to deal with that. We, and we never felt like we are what we are is less than what is being lived in, I don't know, in Los Angeles or I don't know, in Stockholm or not. It's, yeah. it's, it's, and I think this is very, very, very important. And I am always grateful that, yes, I was poor, but I was surrounded by these women. They were all around, older than me, my six sisters, my mother, and the submissive man, the father and the older brother <laughs> to, to them. So this hierarchy, this way of facing and creating stories, creating voices was nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. So why would I think that the emancipation is in France. I had, I didn't care about France or Paris, but I cared about the sorcery of my mother and how she would be suddenly an evil woman in order to protect us herself. <laughs> how she would, uh, and I don't know, have uh, have uh, uh, some uh, uh, difficult moments with the neighbors or the someone from her family that is suddenly showing up in the house and without being expected. And she had to, I mean, to deal, to deal, to deal with this situation. So yes, I ended up learning French, uh, studying French literature under the University of Rabat in Morocco. But I always felt that this French is filled. I put in it all the stories I lived in and the voices I lived in and the poverty that is not poverty I lived in. And the way you, I don't know, you look, you, look, you look them in the eye and you just give them the lie. They expect you to tell them. Yeah. And if they are not happy, you will tell them, okay, give me your hands. I'm going to kiss your hands. And it's not enough. Give me your feet. I'm going to, to kiss your feet. Are you happy now? Meaning, that the, the, the powerful people, the power in general, and especially in Morocco where I was living, they only expect you to be that little people. So by giving them what they are expecting, you are not giving them what they are expecting. You should learn how not let them harm you and stop you from what you will do in the future. And this is a big lesson coming from my mother. You should not face them in the moment they are imposing on you. You should face them in your moment, the, the moment you choose to, to, to face them. English is a language that I rely on. English is a language on which I am dependent for communication. And it's often something that I think of as being, um, you know, to my detriment in some ways and, and, being, and being something negative. But um, I appreciate what you just said about putting so much of your own Moroccanness into your French so that it is no longer just the French that was used to take over. It is no longer the French that is used as a power, as a power tool. It is no longer the, the French that is used to colonize. It is your own French. It is your own language. It is your own use of words. It is your own use of poetry. Um, and I think that that is another form um, in some ways of fighting what is and what comes of the use of language to overtake. 
Um, yes, actually, this idea that the words are saying automatically the truth. It's not true. <laughs> the words are so manipulative. We are, even as we are using words that, that have meanings that we don't mean. It's just the society, the history, the political people are putting all this meaning in our heads and putting the meanings and the obstacles between us. So when you become a writer, you have to talk about this, how the words are already tra traps and how you, 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 you put those traps in the literature. It's not only about being beautiful phrases, beautiful clacking words that are sexy or violent or post-colonial or uh, whatever. It's just like you have to go deep, like even if you present yourself as someone that is a bad person, you are encouraged to do that because that that's what literature needs. It's not only about to see to 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 quote I don't know big fancy Western writers Shakespeare, Oscar Wilde, uh, Michel Foucault. I don't I don't care about these writers because when I was a little boy, these writers didn't exist for me, and and even when some of them talked about the Moroccan reality, they talked about it from their point of view, which is just a continuation of the colonial times and, and trying to explain what is reality to me. <laughs> Can you believe it? Like to me, they are coming to explain to me, this is what you are living. This is the movement you are living, the political, this is your history. Like someone like me or my illiterate ma mother from the countryside is not aware of what is hers history and how to navigate in a very sophisticated way through all these layers of the Moroccan society. This is what is going on actually today in our time. This, when we say that we are finally talking about the colonial time, post-colonial times, unfortunately, we are only until now explaining to the white people what they did to us when they are keeping trying to do to us until now. Mm -hmm. Luckily for me, that's why I told you earlier, I am so grateful that I was surrounded by the, all these women in a very, very poor house, like three rooms, 11 persons, seven women, four, four men. Like we were dominated by the, the, the women, by the sisters, by the voices, the, the possessions that I had no idea about what is, does it mean at that time, colonial, post-colonial, no, 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 no. All I know that, yes, the French people, they think they are superior to us, but between us, when we were in the house, we were laughing at them. And every time we saw them on TV, we were like, oh my God, here are the French. <laughs> and we were laughing and mocking and criticizing, like the way the French people or the American people are doing the American people on the Western movies or some movies. Like we were like, okay, let's see how they are going to master now this pretentious way of being a Western guy trying to explain to us what we are. Like, which it was so silly. So, and of course, um, today, that's what is happening today. But for me, those things were there, meaning that even as a gay person, these women, my six sisters and my mother gave me somehow the tools that are Moroccans to deal and to construct something that is gay, that is Moroccan, and that has nothing to do with, I don't know, Edmund White or Oscar Wilde or... I have nothing against Edmund White or Oscar Wilde, just to be clear. I love them as writers now. But at that time, these people didn't exist or, I don't know, Forster or all these people. Because until now, even as a gay person, you have only the Western 
yeah, I mean, stories, big stories, big names, uh, Maurice, uh, call me by your name, and uh, Brockback Mountain, and all that, that stuff. Like, meaning, like, this is the standard. This is what is representation of anything, a gay story, LGBTQ story. Yeah. Uh, and when we talk about the LGBTQ story happening in Africa, in Tanzania, or I don't know, Kenya or Morocco, Tunisia and Egypt, we are only expected to tell, to tell, to tell these stories with submissive people, victimization people, uh, explaining, explaining these stories to Western viewers, meaning that until now we are expected to down, to put ourselves and our stories down as little stories compared to these Western big mythical stories. But luckily for me, I have I was surrounded by sorcerers, women that are powerful. Yes, the laws were not with them, the Moroccan laws, the, the king, the rich people. But this didn't uh, stop them from having a meaningful life, a, 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 a meaningful life that didn't need any approval from anyone from Paris or anyone from the, the palace of the king in Morocco. This, I think, is this is a very important thing. It's not that because we don't have the laws that protect us that what we are living has no value. It's actually the opposite. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's podcast episode. Part two of this episode will be released at the same time next week on Saturday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.